1: Read several verses of Scripture, so stay with me. Acts 14, excuse me, Acts 27, beginning at verse 14. We're going to skip around. Amen. But not long after there arose against it a tempest wind called Urocliban. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive, as Paul described in this. Drop down to verse 18. And we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, The next day, they lightened the ship. And the third let me just say this. Sometimes, if you're going to get where God wants you to get, you need to lighten your ship. That means you need to get rid of some junk you've been holding on to. If you ever expect to make it out of the storm, quit clinging to junk in the storm. God never promised you were going to make it to your destination with everything intact. He just said you'd make it there. Amen. So you've got to be willing to part with some things. Verse 19. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Verse 20. And when neither the sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. I, I love that Paul jumped up and said, I told you so. He did, he said, I, if you dummies would have listened to me, we well, he didn't say dummies, he said sirs, he was polite about it. He said, you should, if you would have listened to me, we wouldn't be in this mess right now. But since you didn't listen to me, then listen to me now, verse 22, listen to me now. And now I exhort you, be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. Look at somebody and tell them stop falling in love with the ship. I'm going to tell you when you're in that moment where life and death hangs in the balance Temporal things don't really matter. He said, let me comfort you. You're about to lose everything. Nobody ran the aisles. Let me comfort you. You're about to lose everything, but your life will be saved. If you would ask somebody with stage four cancer the very last days of their life and all treatment and options have been exhausted and you were to give them an option, either you lose everything you have and you get five years more of good health or you keep what you have for the last few days and you pass in a matter of days or weeks. Without doubt, 100% of them would say, take all that I have, I'd rather have life. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. He said, Paul, don't be afraid. You've got to go up here before Caesar and testify. And so God's going to save your life because God has a plan for you. Now watch this. We're going to shout about this. The angel basically said, Paul, you've got to be taken to court and then be executed so you're not going to die now. We we would have clung to the anchor when they threw it overboard. Well, I don't want to die like when we put everything into perspective of the will of God. Amen? Praise God. He said in verse 25, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Somebody say, I believe God. I believe God. That it shall be, even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast, or we must crash upon a certain island. Verse 40. When they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea, and loosened the rudder bands, and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind, and made towards shore, and falling into a place, where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea And get to land. Verse 44. And the rest. Some on boards. And some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass. That they escaped. All safe. To land. They all escaped. Safe. They all made it to the shore. After the front of that boat. Had been run aground on a rock. And the waves violent began to rip that part asunder. The Bible said they survived day in and day out in the midst of a storm and they survived being broken upon the rocks and they made it to the shoreline. Amen. I want to preach to you something I feel this morning and uh, I'm going to kind of be in the, the mode, the vein of what we did last Sunday. What I'm going to preach today uh, I want to say this the right way, in the polite way it won't be for people um, who aren't serious about God's plan for their life. Does that make sense? But if you want to be something in the kingdom of God, if you want God to use you, if you have dreams and visions and plans that God has spoken over your life, then I want to preach to you this, and I simply want to preach on this thought, don't drown in shallow waters. Don't drown In shallow waters. Would you help me pray right now? Lord, I thank you for your word. And I pray that you would open our understanding this morning. And I pray that you would give us insight. And I pray that you would give us confirmation and affirmation of your word. And Lord, I pray that before we leave this place this morning, that you will have spoken, Lord, with divine clarity in each and every one of our lives. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would anoint me as your servant and anoint your people to hear and respond and to know. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. Would you just give the Lord another hand clap of thanksgiving this morning, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you Jesus, amen. You can be seated. I want you to turn around and tell somebody, don't drown in shallow waters. Turn around and tell somebody else, don't drown in shallow waters. (laughs) Amen. I I need you to get comfortable with talking to somebody around you this morning because I'm going to have you doing a lot of talking with me as well as preaching with me. I'm going to have you talking with me and talking to your neighbor a little bit this morning. So if you're sitting beside somebody who looks like they've been sucking on a pickle for the last three days, then when the time is appropriate, just kindly of get up and move away from them because those are the kind of people that will drown you in shallow waters. Now, drowning in water seems like a ridiculous notion that you can drown in shallow water. That the thought of drowning in shallow water seems to be absurd to most people, especially in a situation like this where you have survived the deep. It seems strange, maybe even impossible, that if you could survive the storm, if you could survive the crashing of a ship, and you could survive swimming in thousands of feet of water, then surely you would be able to survive in two or three feet of water. And it may strain, be, be strange to you that someone who could master swimming would be able to drown in the shallowest of waters. But the toughest times in our life are not the beginning of the struggle. The toughest times of our life is not the beginning of the struggle. The toughest times in our life is not when the fight first starts. We have all our strength and we have all our energy then. But the toughest time is when you are at the end of the struggle. And you have fought all the day long, all the week long, all the year long. It's easy, or should I say it's somewhat more easy to fight in the beginning when you are filled with faith. Amen. And you are vibrant and you are reared back and cocked for it. It's another thing altogether to fight when you are closest to the shore and exhausted from fighting the waves and the wind and the rain, and the lightning, and all of the other elements. It's harder then to stand or to even make it when you are closest to the shoreline. And statistics even bear this out. Amen. It seems like, uh, they statistics say that most crashes occur within two miles of where you live. Most automobile accidents happen within two miles of your house. Now, it seems like, if you're going to crash, you would have crashed at 25 or 30 miles or 100 miles or even five miles from your house. But the fact that most crashes happen within two miles of a home seems to be a bit absurd because after all, we are most familiar with that area. But the reason why they say that most crashes happen so close to home is because it is either leaving exhausted or returning home exhausted, and we begin to be complacent when we are in familiar settings. How many know what I'm talking about right now? All of a sudden, you're not as, as, as cautious to make sure you stop completely. You have driven this route hundreds, if not thousands of times, and you don't see the need to look twice before making the turn Onto that street, and this is where most accidents occur when we are most vulnerable and most comfortable in our life, amen. But there are times, amen, that when you are the closest to victory in your life, it seems like things become the most difficult in your life. And I'm preaching to people here this morning, amen, that you are so close. To the victory that God has for your life. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying right now. You have survived the storm thus far. God has brought you through your life this far. And you can actually see the shore And the waves and the roar of the wind Sings far behind you But you are so exhausted from the fight And you are so weary from the journey Amen That now you're in trouble You are in shallow waters And in danger of drowning there Amen I've come to preach to you this morning Amen That by God's grace and by God's help I'm not going to let you drown in shallow waters Waters. If you've got enough strength to fight, fight on. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and tell them, "Don't drown in shallow waters." In our text today, we're following the Apostle Paul on a journey for the Lord. There are some concepts. I I just pulled a few life lessons that I want to share with you this morning uh, that will keep you from drowning in shallow water. Amen. So elbow your neighbor a little bit and tell him, are you listening to pastor today? He's going to help you not drown in shallow water through the word of God. Amen. Now, I know most churches right now, and and God bless them, and, and we're not most churches. They're just doing little patty cake for Jesus church services and eeny meeny miny mo stuff to get you through the holidays amen because most people are so checked out that they're not even at church at church amen but that that's not what the Lord wants for first church God wants us wearing and ready to go full of faith when we step into the can I just stop and say this that if celebrating Christmas drives you so far in debt and depression amen, then you are not doing it right and you probably shouldn't do it. It's supposed to be a joyous, festive celebration. And if you think, well, if I don't get all the kids everything they want, then they're going to be disappointed. Then you have set them up for a misunderstanding of what Christmas is and you need to reevaluate what you're teaching. Well, I don't teach them that. The world teaches that. Then stop letting the world influence them. That didn't cost you anything. Not a word of that was in my notes, but I'm going to help you out. Amen. And so I'm, I'm going to give you some, some, some uh, at least three points that I could that have you denote, amen, here this morning uh, about how you cannot drown in shallow waters. Uh, number one, so you may want to jot these down, write this down if you are a note taker. Amen. Uh, the first thing I want to talk to you about how not to drown in shallow waters would, would simply be this. Don't take the presence of the storm to indicate the absence of God. Don't take the presence of a storm to indicate the absence of God. Sometimes when you enter the storm and there's all kinds of storms. How many know there's all kinds of storms? There's health storms. Physical storms. Financial storms, marital storms, emotional storms, job storms, housing storms, vehicle storms. We've been through some vehicle storms this year. There's all kinds of storms. I'm not talking about the storms that rain down water and the lightning and the thunder. But what I am talking about is the storms that people can't see. Undetectable storms. Storms where you're not walking around with a little rain cloud over your head that everybody can see it raining down. I'm talking about storms that can't be detected by people around you. And storms that may uh, may make people think you haven't been through anything because you got out of bed this morning and you got dressed for church and, and when they go through their storms, they don't get out of bed. They don't come to church. So they can't relate to the way you go through the storm. Because some people want everybody to drown a little bit in their storm. You catching me? You, you see what I'm saying there? So there? There are some people that want you to know they're in a storm. But I'm preaching to a lot of people that don't go around, don't go on social media, and don't come to church, amen, looking like they're going through a storm. You get up, you get dressed, you came to church with a hallelujah anyhow kind of a mindset. You fixed your hair, you brushed your teeth, you got in the car with all hell breaking loose last week, even during Thanksgiving, even while you were trying to have a good time, the enemy fought you tooth and toenail, amen, and has tried to take your victory and tried to take your joy, but you got up this morning and you put a smile on your face as you pulled into the parking lot. You combed your hair, you styled your hair, you pressed your pants, you steamed your dress, you shined your shoes and said, I'm going to the house of God because he is worthy to be praised. And you walked in smiling this morning, but let's be honest, I've got to get real. Can I be real with you? I need you to get real with me. This ain't the first church of of the faith. This is the first church of real. Amen, because there's times I walk in and you walk into this room, amen, and you've got a smile on your face and and we've got beautiful greeters and handsome ushers that meet you at the door and they're welcoming you to the house of God and you smile back and say, oh, it's good to see you too, God bless you. But you put on that smile because what you didn't want them to know is you wept from your front door to the parking lot. What you don't want people to know is last night you didn't even sleep because you tossed and turned in the fear and the anxiety and the stress and the worry and even the doubt in God's love for you, but you walked in with faith anyway. Has anybody here ever gone through a secret storm in your life? Your your neighbor may not be feeling the winds. The person behind you may not feel the rain. The person sitting across for you may not see the waves that are billowing about your head. But there are people in this room this morning that are in the storm of their life and they're fighting with everything they have just to survive and just to live. You see, when you're going through a visible storm, somebody will hand you an umbrella. Somebody will give you a raft. Somebody's going to ask you for, do you need some help? Do you need some assistance? Because they're aware of your suffering. But when you're going through a secret storm, there is no comfort there because nobody knows that you're dealing with a secret storm. They'll just go on being jealous of you. They'll be jealous of your worship. Because they think your life is perfect. They don't know the hell you've been through the last six months. They'll look at your your worship with, with jealousy and resentment because they think, well, they must just be happy all the time. No, Bubba, it's not that we're happy all the time. It's we've learned God is worthy to be praised, no matter what. And I don't praise him because the sun is shining and I don't praise him when the waves are calm and the seas are as smooth as glass. I praise him because he is worthy to be praised. My worship is not based on my feeling. It is based on the fact God is good all the time. That settles The, the people don't know you're in a storm, so they're, they're jealous of your worship. They're jealous of your position. They're, they're jealous of your car. They don't even know the vehicle you drive is two payments behind. But they're jealous. I told you I was going to preach to real people. Jealous of the position that you were promoted to, not knowing that God promoted you into that position. And that even though God promoted you into that position, you live with tremendous amounts of stress. You can't rest at night. Always feel overwhelmed and inadequate. You've got so much pressure and you've got so much responsibility that, that, that all of a sudden you're in a storm and nobody around you even knows it. And when we get in a storm, we have a tendency, a natural tendency to begin to wonder, where is God in all of this? See, the storm, is not indicative of God's absence. Because when we hit the storm, or the storm hits us, see, there's you're only going to be in one of three places. You're either about to go into a storm, you're in a storm, or you just came out of one. Your whole life is cyclical. It will be that way. You will either be going into a storm, you'll be in the storm, or you'll be coming out of the storm. Cheer up! Cheer up, you're going to hit the rocks at some point and wreck the ship. Yeah. Amen. And we start saying, where's God in all of this? Job said, I looked for him. I looked for him. He was here just a minute ago, but I, I, I can't seem to find him now. I, I looked on the right side and I, I couldn't find him. I looked on the left side where he was working and I perceived him not. Where is God in this storm? Because we buy into the notion that if God is with us, then we would have no storm. Somehow we have bought into a lie that if we're in a storm, then God can't be present in the storm. Are you with me so far? Because if God were really with us, we would be happy. And if God were really with us, everything would go smoothly. And if God were really on our side, we wouldn't have family problems. And if God were really with us, we wouldn't have bills to pay. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching. How how could God be with us and us be facing medical problems, health problems? How could God be with us? I literally had people have to ask me, how could God be with us when our home is in foreclosure? How can God be with us when we can't make two ends meet at the end of the month? How can God be with us when our children walk away from serving God? How can God be with us when the doctor says cancer? And Job said this, I I can't figure it out. He said, I don't understand all of this. Job said, how can my children die and God be with me? Job said, how can my house burn down and God be with me? I looked for him. I looked for him. I didn't see him. I went to where he was working. I couldn't find him. I didn't see him. He looked at God and basically said, God, you told me you had my back through thick and thin. Well, here I am in thick and at the same time thin. And I thought you would lead the way, but I I don't see you in this. But you cannot see in a storm. Surviving a storm is not based on vision." It's based on faith. For the just walk by faith and not by... The reason why you got so much anxiety in your spirit is you're trying to see your way through the storm. You can't see in the storm. Don't look for God to be sensual in your storm. He's not going to appeal to your senses in the storm. Just because... You're in the storm. God is not going to add comfort to your senses. He adds comfort to your faith. Matter of fact, God will not make you comfortable in your storm. And just because you're in the presence of the storm does not negate the presence of God, nor does it indicate the absence of God. Matter of fact, I'm going to blow up your theology right here. If you really want to see God do his best work, get in trouble. I'm going to say that again in case you missed it. Contrary to popular theology today, if you want to see God show up and show out and do his best at being God, get in trouble. Let me clarify, I didn't say go sin. I said let trouble break out and watch God break in. Now I know, I know, and it's popular in Pentecostalism. I know that we think God does his best work when we're dancing in church. I know that we think God does his best work when we're clapping and we're shouting and we're raising our hand and the music is full throttle and brother Marcel is beating the snot out of the drums and we're moving and dancing and shouting and we think God is working there the most. No 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 that is not where God is God the most. God is God the most and he shows up the most when all hell breaks loose in your life ask the three Hebrew boys nobody had ever had God show up like they had God show up to that point now I know that God will visit your praise the Bible said he happens to praise this of Israel Now I understand that God will visit your praise but if you want to know where God lives God lives in trouble Oh, I don't don't know if y'all are catching this. Because my Bible tells me that He is a very present help in the time of trouble. If you're looking for God, He's in the storm. He's in the storm, and He may not even say anything, Peter. Peter, He's in the storm. And you may find him asleep at the bottom of the boat. Because if I can say it like this, God is most comfortable in the storm. Hallelujah. Another storm hit the disciples on the sea. And God, there they are thinking they're gonna die. They're setting it right with their maker. They're saying this thing's about to go under. We're about to die And just when they think all hope is lost, all of a sudden, here comes Jesus walking on top of the waves. In other words, Jesus said, I don't miss a good storm. I got to get all up in the middle of this. See, you're in the storm looking at the boat that's about to go under, but what you don't realize is your help is in the storm, not on the shoreline. Your help is with you. You, get, you getting anything out of this this morning? He's with you in the storm. He promised. He promised that he would be with you in the storm. Look at somebody and tell him, he promised you that. Amen. I, I preach a lot about Acts 27 and Acts 28 because I think I've got a, I've got some familiarity with storms in life. Amen. They say smooth seas don't make a good sailor. Amen. Well, I must be a, well-seasoned captain then because I've been through some seas and storms in my life. But I'm going to tell you something about the promises of God. Are you ready? Anytime God promises you something, I I don't know if you're ready to handle this or not. I don't know if you can take this. Grab your chair because I don't want you to fall out. Anytime God promises you something, get ready for trouble. Yep, yeah, and you can capitalize all of the other ones. Anytime God promises you something, you can be guaranteed trouble's on the way. And I, I know you haven't heard it taught that way, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna splash all in your little sanctified teacup this morning. All of your little Osteen theology. All of your, all of your Benny Hinn understanding of, we're gonna mess it all up this morning. Because promises from God do not promise an absence of trouble. It guarantees trouble. Pastor, I haven't heard it taught that way. I'm sorry. But anytime God promises you something, you better get ready for trouble. Because God, God is a promise keeping God. I think we forget that sometimes. God is a promise-keeping God. You see, God will also, see, I never promise the obvious. You never promise the obvious, right? I never promised my wife, I'm gonna be a country boy. That's obvious, that's who I am, it's in my DNA. I never promised my daughter, as long as I live, I'll have blue eyes. It's obvious. I've never looked at my wife and said, honey, I promise you that as long as I live, I'll be a male. You don't have to promise the obvious. You give a promise only when you know that something is going to come along and make you doubt. God doesn't promise the obvious. He promises because he knows that something's going to come along and try to mess you up from believing in it. You see, it's like writing a check. If I write you a check, Brother Lucas, and I thought about getting a check from my wife, but I don't even know if we use them anymore. But if I write you a check, that check is a promise. You, you can't go to Best Buy and spend that check. It's just a promise. If I write you a check, Brother Avery, for $1,000, I'm and not going to. <clears throat> if I write you a check, that check is simply a promise. You can't spend it anywhere until first you cash in on it. My God, this is shouting stuff, and I haven't even shouted yet. All the check says is, "I promise you that what I've written on this check will be available to you at the time that you take it and you withdraw from the promise account." God has written you some checks, but you got to get through some hell between the promise and the bank. While I'm in it, I'm gonna hold on the check and say, God ain't never bounced the check. God's never been overdrawn. It's always within his ability. hallelujah, when God promises you something, he says you may not have it in the central realm right now, but I promise you, I promise you that if I said it, I'll do it. It may not be right now. It may not be when you want it, but I promise you that in due time, you're gonna cash that promise in. My God, I feel like shouting this morning. How can you praise him in a storm? Because I heard the promise. How can you shout with the waves billowing over your life? Because I have a promise. I heard him. How can you have victory? How can you stick with it? How can you stick with the ship when everybody else is jumping? Because I have a promise. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. How can you hold on when everybody else is letting go? How can you seem to have faith in the midst of the storm? It's because I have a promise. And this is what he promised. He promised me That when I pass through the waters, I will not be overcome. That he will be with me no matter what. So if it's on the ship or it's in the water, if it's in the valley or it's on the mountain, I've got a promise. He will never leave me, nor will he ever forsake me. he would not have promised that if his presence would always be apparent because God don't promise the obvious but what he did say is but you, when you pass through the water you got my word on it I will be there with you you may not see me you may not feel me you may not sense me but I tell you All the while that you are in the water and you are stroking through the waves with everything that you have, understand you are not swimming by yourself. Even though you don't see me, even though you don't feel me, even though you can't hear me, I want you to know you're not in it by yourself. I'm a very present help in the time. He never promises the obvious. He promises what he knows you'll doubt in the storm. Come on. Come on. Don't be so aware of the storm that you lose your awareness of God in the storm. Don't be so storm focused that you miss God's presence. I wonder if Peter would have done better steering the ship from the bottom of the boat instead of steering the ship with the central realm where the storm lives. Because the real guide of the ship was not the rudder in the boat. The real guide of the ship was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Let me ask you a question. I know this may seem elementary, but let me ask you a question this morning. Are you steering your life based on what you see? Or are you steering your life based on what you believe? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm already in it. I'm going to roll up my britches a little bit and keep on walking. How much do you settle for? I know when it lands, I can hear the, how much do we settle for? Because we'll just take whatever can float us in the storm. Rather than the promise of God. How many jobs have wrecked families because they were taken out of desperation? How many lives were ruined because they, in desperation, grabbed any relationship? Are you hearing me? He never promises the obvious. If God gave you a promise, don't you settle for anything less than what thus saith the Lord is. If God said it would be blue, don't you settle for aqua. If God said it would be black, don't you settle for gray. If God said three feet, don't settle for 2.9. You better cling to the promises of God for they are yay and amen. Look at somebody and say, listen to pastor, he's talking to you. You don't steer through the storm based on the conditions of the storm. You steer through the storm based on the solidarity of your faith, that you understand that this too shall pass. That this storm is not upon me to kill me, but it is just what I must pass through to get to the promise of God. Now, let me just settle this right now. I'm gonna fix this right now, so there's no lingering doubt. Before the first lightning flashes, before the first thunder begins to rumble in the heavens, before the first drop of water hits you right on the tip of your little nose and before you can begin to sense the moisture in the air and taste the rain that is in the atmosphere, let me settle it right now. No matter what, I'm coming out of this storm. I'm coming out of this. You're coming. You need to turn to somebody, shake them a little bit and say, I'm coming out of this. This storm will not be my graveyard. I'm coming out of this. I can see the clouds gather. I can see the lightning in the distance. I can hear the thunder vibrate through my soul. But I want you to know I'm coming out of it. I'm going to come through the storm. Pastor, how can you have so much faith? Because I thought the last storm would kill me and it didn't. And I thought the one before me would kill me and it didn't. He promised, I will be with you. I'm coming out of this. I I don't know if it's gonna be a divine miracle or if it's gonna be through medicine, but I'm coming out of this. I don't know whether they're gonna lay hands on me or if I'm gonna have to lay on the couch and do therapy, but I am coming out of this. I don't know if I'm gonna have to dance my way through it or soak the carpet with snot and tears, but I am coming out of this. I will not die in my dilemma. This storm will not overwhelm me. I will swim or drink the ocean dry, but I am coming out of this storm. Look at somebody and shake them and say, I'm coming out of this. Don't tell them you're coming out of this because you can't promise them that. You don't know if they've got what it takes. You don't know if they're committed enough to the promise. But if you are, you can look at somebody and say, I am coming out of this. Go ahead and be seated. I'm, I'm barely halfway through and I'm already 30 minutes into it. Okay, so the storm has started. The beginning has occurred. I don't know what all I'm gonna have to go through to get the end of it. But let me just put a pin on it right now. That no matter what I have to go through, I shall come forth as pure gold. I may have to crawl. I may have to crawl. I may have to cry, I may have to wait, I may have to suffer, I may have to hurt, I may have to hold my peace, I may have to shut my mouth, I may have to let people walk on me, I may have to let people lie about me, I may have to lose my job, I may have to separate with stuff, I may have to walk away from people, but listen to me, I am coming out of this because he is with me. He is with me with me in the storm He's with, He's with me He's with me He's with me And I have no doubts He is with me I'm sorry if you, if, you, if you can't feel anything. I don't got time to grab a hold of your cinder block that you're using for a life preserver to drown me along with your self-pity. He is with me. He's with me. He's with me. Early in my ministry, we were landing into Portland, Oregon, and we, had to miss, we missed the runway twice because the fog was so thick. We circled around for the third time and then over told the story, so I'm gonna give you the abbreviated story. And the lady beside me had a fear of flying. And the second, the first abort from the, run, from the runway and it was awful. You couldn't see nothing. As we come up, <clears throat> she was shaking and crying. And I reached over and I took her, patted her on the arm and I said, are you okay? And she just began to weep. I'm, I'm so afraid that I'm gonna die in a plane crash. I have such a horrible fear of flying. And we turned around the pilot says, uh, we're going to come in for another landing. We're going to attempt this. We go through the fog. Sure enough, we lift up again. You hear the engines thrust, and you don't know what's about to happen. We pull up, come around for the third time, and this woman is beside herself at this point. She has cried. This professional, well-to-do woman, her, her the clothes on her body were probably worth more than the truck I drove. Amen. She was a professional woman. And at this point, mascara had run into rouge. Lipstick was smeared all over her head. She didn't care anymore. She was certain that she was gonna die in this plane crash. And then I looked at her as I was patting her on the arm in those 15 terrible, agonizing minutes of trying to land in Portland, Oregon. Amen. And and as we were about to come in and the pilot said um, uh, to the stewardess and the flight attendants, Ready, we're going in for, our, for a final approach. And if we don't make this approach, we'll go to Seattle. And as we were coming in, she, she began to visibly, she began to shake. And I thought she was going to vomit. She was so beside herself. And I reached over and I grabbed her by the arm. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, you have no reason to fear. I said, you are in the safest place in the whole wide world where you are right now sitting beside me. And I will never forget when she snapped her head back and looked at me and everything, all the colors had blended. Amen. Eyelashes peeling off. She had cried so hard. And she's looking at me and she's stunned. Her eyes got about that big. And she said, how can you say that? What do you mean? And I looked at her with all the confidence that God had ever spoken in my life. And I said, ma'am, there are some promises God gave to me that I have not yet seen to come to pass. So even if this plane does crash into a ball of fire on that runway, I'm gonna survive. So you couldn't be in a more safe place than you are right now beside a man of God he has promises on Some of you have already determined you're gonna drown. I need you to raise your faith up this morning and say, I'm coming out of the storm. I'm coming out of this because God is with me. And I still believe that. God has promises on my, listen, I don't care if they drop a nuke on top of my head. I'll survive. Because God's promised some things I haven't seen come to pass yet. And Sarah, I don't care if you are 90. If God said you're going to have that boy, you're going to have that boy. I don't care if the people are giants. If God said the land's ours, the land's ours. I don't care how expensive property is and how bad inflation is and how whacked out the politicians are. I don't care how bad the economy is. When God gets ready to bless you, when God gets ready to give this church a miracle, God does not have to ask Wall Street. He does not have to ask the banker. When God gets ready, he'll just do it. Because the Lord, somebody shout, the Lord is with me. So I'm going to settle this right now. I'm not alone in this. I'm not by myself. The Lord's with me in the storm. And oh, let me tell you something, Storm. While I'm on this, let me go ahead and fix this one too. Storm, if you are going to fight me, you're going to have to fight God because God is with me in the storm. And the last time I checked, my God has never been defeated. You, you can be seated. I'm, 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 I'm trying to hurry. I can tell I'm not going to get done with this. I was reading an interesting article some time ago about elderly people, and it said that elderly people who have been, that it has been proven statistically, that elderly people live longer if they have anything living in the house. Anything alive in the house, they live longer. And I, I mean literally anything, e- even if they don't like each other as long as something's there. You see, even, even if it's just somebody you argue with, science has proven it that elderly people that have something alive in their house live longer. It gives them a purpose. Amen. You, you got somebody to argue with, thank God for it. You got somebody rolls your eyes at you, thank God for it, amen. Statistically, you live longer. I know it sounds crazy, but it blew my mind too. And and then they said it doesn't even have to be a person. If, If they've got a cat or a dog or a goldfish to feed or something to worry about, something to take care of, something to do, they will live longer. Because the worry of taking care of something that is dependent upon them oh my God gives them a see you are cursing your worry and God says I put it in your life to give you a purpose to wake up in the morning and you don't got to shout about what I'm going to say but I'm preaching to somebody real amen if it wasn't for that spouse if it wasn't for that child if it wasn't for somebody depending on you you would have ate that bullet a long time ago you would have drove the car off the cliff a long time ago but God allows buffers in your life God allows these things in your life so you can hold on and say I've got a reason to live my God I feel the Holy Ghost here this In other words, what I'm trying to say is I'm not in this thing by myself. And what the scientists concluded was even if it's a goldfish or a pet gerbil, as long as there is something else present in the house that's alive, they will live longer. Sister Priscilla, they didn't even factor into the equation, somebody that has God in their life, how much better their life is. So I want you to know I'm not by myself. Even if I don't got a goldfish, a dog, or a gerbil, or anybody and it's just me, I've still got Jesus. And when Jesus is all I have, honey, Jesus is all that I need. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. You need to look at somebody and tell them, I'm not in this by myself. You're not driving to work by yourself. You're not paying those bills by yourself. You're not taking that medicine by yourself. You're not raising that child by yourself. You're not holding this house together by yourself. Uh, Don't allow the presence of the storm to make you feel that God is no longer with you. Everybody knows that God is with you. You need to understand that there is a purpose in your storm. Amen. Amen. I'm, I, I'm trying to hurry. He's with me. The Lord, look at somebody and tell him he's with me. Look at him and give him a big old duh, duh, he's with me. I hope he's with you, but I know he's with me. The Lord is with me. Matter of fact, God's been with me a long time. God's been with me for 43 years. He's been with me. All my life the Lord has been there. Every day that I wake up, he's been there. When I lay my head to rest at night, he's been there. Can anybody witness what I'm saying right now? When I look back over my life, through the storms that I've been through that I didn't think I would make it through, I can testify to you this morning, he was there all the while. And if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, I wouldn't have made it this far. But I'm here today by the grace of Almighty God. Amen. Y'all want me to preach or hurry up? You mean preaching? You got a roast in the crock pot or you're getting something out of this this morning? Amen. They, they, they tell you, say people don't want to sit through more than 25 minutes of preaching. I'm sorry that you're raising a social club, but we're, this is a church of the living God. Somebody's getting something this morning. Don't worry, I got my timer on and I'm trying to beat it. Amen. Let me say this. Don't get too attached to temporal things in your life. When you read this, my heart went out to Paul because Paul had been through a lot in his life. And the Lord is now using the ship to get him to his destiny. And then the thing he was counting on, the thing he was riding on, the thing he was protected by, the thing he depended on, the thing that was preserving him, the thing that separated him from danger, the thing that put up... A barrier between him and certain death now all of a sudden the thing that he had confidence in began to come apart so let me ask you a question what do you do when what God gave you to ride in starts coming apart do you give up hope do you throw up your hands Do you walk away? Do you throw yourself into the ocean and say, well, God has abandoned me? I want to suggest to you this morning, listen to me, that God did not promise the ship. God promised you. Oh, I'm going to say it again. I don't think you caught it. God never promised the ship. God promised. You. He didn't promise that the ship was going to be with you always. But what he said was, is I am going to be with you. You're mad at God because your ship has been wrecked. And God said, it was never about the ship. It was about me the whole time. for the Holy Ghost. So point point number two and if you're taking notes this is what you want to write down is don't preserve the temporary. Don't preserve the temporary. I don't want you to define success or ask God to preserve the temporary. Stop asking God to preserve what was only intended to be a season. Mike, See, I I can read ahead of you and I know where I'm going. Amen, I'm about to amen myself. This is good, this is good. You, you, You gotta get this, you gotta get this. Stop asking God to preserve the temporary. Don't ask God to preserve what he only intended to be a season. See, God promised to get you there, but he did not say how you would get there. God promised to bring you through, but he didn't say through whom you would get through. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, don't bow up on me when I say this. But if you're not careful, try to find the polite way to say it. You alpha brothers and you controlling sisters, if you're not careful, you will put all your energy in trying to rescue and preserve a boat, not understanding that success is not defined by preserving what was temporary. And if you're not careful, you will put all of your energy in work into trying to preserve something that God only gave to you for a season. Did, did, you, did you catch that? Let me say it like this. Every blessing that God gives you is not meant to last your journey. Hmm. Oh, somebody shout, hurry up, pastor. You're in my business now. Not, not every blessing that God intend to make from point A to point B with you. See, God brings some people in your life to get you from point A to point B. But if you're not careful, you will get to point B and instead of going to point C, you'll stop and try to preserve what you had, not understanding that God's got something to carry you. From B to C, you will fall so in love with B and become so attached to B that you'll never appreciate or realize the promise that God has for your life further because you will expend all your prayer, all your energy, and all your faith trying to fix something God never intended to go with you the whole way. I'm saying that just because the ship comes apart doesn't mean you have to come apart. Just because the ship comes apart doesn't mean you've got to come apart. Man, I I, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Some of you are grieving over a broken ship God never intended to carry you the whole way. You've got to learn to stop preserving the temporary. And when God removes it, just say the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. See, some of you are still mad at God because you lost that job. You loved that job. But that job was only to get you to a career. And now you're missing your career because you're bitter at losing it. Somebody help me right now. You're mad at this over here. When God said, I only gave you that to get you here. But what I have from here to there, you can't take that there. You've got to leave that there. If you're going to get here, you've got to trust me. You've got to swim. You've got to... Can you imagine being on the boat, bound and tied, and stressed and weary? Can you imagine the thing that you was counting on to get you to the other side? The job that you thought you'd retire with to get you to the other side? The house you thought you would have for the rest of your life? That relationship you thought would always be there? That friend you thought you were BFFs with? Best buds, ride or die, everything? All of a sudden, that is now out of the picture. How many of you have ever lost some stuff in the storm? Hey, let's, let's get down to where the rubber meets the road. How many has ever lost some people in the storm? How many has ever lost relationships in the storm? And it made you feel like a failure. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not a failure. Because they were just a temporary blessing. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And if you're not careful, You will try to carry over a temporary blessing to the next level. And what God meant to be a season of blessing, as you try to preserve it, will become a lasting curse in your life. Amen. Yeah, we're not running the aisles over that, but you think about that for a minute. God, God sins for seasons, right? Paul said one waters, one, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. Everything is seasonal in life. And Those things you thought you could depend on may make you feel like a failure because it was a temporary blessing and you've lost it. But I want to tell you something. Listen to me. If it was meant to stay, it could not. If it was meant to stay, it could not have left. I, I, I'm going to say that again. If it was meant to stay, it would have floated too. In fact, the destruction of the boat <laughs> could mean God announcing you've arrived at your destination. I'm gonna say that again. The destruction of your little boat on the rocks could very well be God saying, Congratulations, you've made it. Amen. Amen. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on over. I gotta hurry up. I gotta get give me something to preach with. I'm, I'm almost done. If you don't hurry up, I'm gonna preach this. I, I got at least 20 more minutes, and I'm not gonna do that to you. Come on. Listen. Listen to me, listen to me. The boat did not retain its original form. Now, I'm going to zero in right now. And I'm fixing to put an arrow through the heart of many of your problems right now. I'm fixing to let it fly. You ready? Ready? Your problem is you're in love with what you had. Well, glory, you're in love with what you had. Hear me. And if you think that if your life does not retain the shape that you started with, you don't think that you can get where you're going. see here's the thing the boat didn't cease to exist it just took on another form let me say that again the boat did not cease to exist it just became another form oh it wasn't as comfortable it wasn't as glorious. But the Bible said, even when life takes on a different form and it's all broken into pieces, grab a hold of a piece of what's left and hold on with everything you have. Because my Bible says, some on boards and some on broken pieces, but that they all made it safely because your struggle is not the storm your struggle is trying to keep the ship together when the ship was never made to get you to the shore in the shape that it was in that ship was designed to bust on the rocks but pastor I liked my first class cabin on that ship Pastor, I liked my window balcony view on that ship. That's the problem. You fell in love with the ship. The ship was never designed to get you there the way you got comfortable with. Oh, but God so uniquely designed that rock, that reef, that close to the shore. And God so designed the Uroclide and the storm to push your vessel into that rock and bust it to a million pieces so you would stop having confidence in the ship and start having confidence in his plan. Don't drown in shallow waters. You're a lot closer than you think you are. Just because things are broken in your life doesn't mean you cannot survive it let, let, let me try on this side of the church. Just because things are broken in your life doesn't mean you can't survive the storm. I'll try it over here. Just because things are broken in your life doesn't mean you can't survive. Let me try it over here in the middle. Just because things, the promises of God are busted in your life, Doesn't mean you can't survive. It means your faith needs to get creative. Quit trying to bubble gum and band aid and paperclip that shit back together. Just grab a hold of the board. telling you is that you can't be saved by what it was you can only be saved by what it is now stop grieving the fact that your blessing was busted on the rocks that was never meant to be a graveyard and I know you're exhausted stand with me I know you're exhausted oh, I've got so much more to preach. My God, I wish I had time. I wish I could preach it better so I can get through with time. There's so much more, but I feel I need to stop here because my pastor always taught me the mind can only retain what the sea can endure. Here it is. You've survived the storm. You can't see right now. The Bible said they were still in the storm, Sister Cindy, when they crashed into the rock. And when the winds and the waves thrust them over the side, and that wooden ship broke to a million pieces, when they hit the water, the Bible says every one of them grabbed a hold of something and made it the rest of the way. If you, if you study that reef that they hit, that rock, how many's ever been to a place where there's a reef just outside the shoreline? It's shallow. You can, you can swim and it'd be kind of deep and you can stand up on a reef. I was in Hawaii doing that. with was spearfishing. And we swam in these little pools that were in the reef. And you could the water was only that deep. You'd stand up. Then you'd step over and boom, it'd be 20 feet, 30 feet deep and you could spearfish. Then when you get to the edge of the reef, it'd be about knee deep. And then you place your face underwater looking through your snorkel mask. And it was an abyss. It would drop thousands of feet. Just drop like that. This place was just like that. They hit that reef and it busted the ship to pieces. But they got over. The waves pushed them over. They held on to, They were, listen, they had been fighting this storm for days. 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. Through the night, through the day, they couldn't see the sun, the stars, the moon. They didn't even know how to navigate because the storm was tossing them to them until finally it shattered everything. And what had been their comfort now is laying in a million pieces in the ocean. And when you get past that rock the Bible describes there at Melita, the waters become very shallow. If you're not careful, if you're not careful, you can drown in shallow water by being so exhausted trying to keep things God never intended for you to take to the shore. I don't even got time to preach it but the Bible didn't. I I read read this 5,000 times. Maybe not literally. Maybe it was 4,999. I read it over because I thought Brother Reuben, that when Paul got to the shore he built the fire. But that's not what the Bible said. And I thought that somebody from the ship, when they got to the shore, built a fire. But that's not what the Bible said. The Bible said when they got to the shore, there was a fire there. Don't drown in shallow waters trying to hang on to the broken things in your life. Stand up. Pastor, I'm too tired to swim. You make your worst mistakes exhausted. You don't have to swim. Just stand up. My Bible tells me having done all, just stand It's a war in your mind telling you you're not going to make it. But I'm telling you, you're not going to drown in shallow waters. There's a fire sitting on the beach right now that God himself has preserved for you. Don't drown in shallow waters. He didn't promise he'd save my boat. He said he would save me. So I'm not going to drown in shallow waters. I'm closing with this. You are so much closer than you think you are to the promises of God being realized. You're so weary with the fight. You're so exhausted from the storm. You're to the point of spiritual delirium. Listen to me. Stand up. You're there. Just stand. Just start walking. You think, listen, if you survive swimming at a thousand feet, you'll survive at four feet and you'll survive at two feet and I don't know about you but I'm walking toward that fire right now that God has prepared for me that thing that God has oh I feel the Holy Ghost right now that God has prepared for me I'm coming to that fire right now I'm coming to it right now my pants may be soaked my shirt may be ripped and torn. My hands may be free. I may have sand between my toes. I may have salt water in my eyes and in my ears, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not gonna drown in shallow waters. I'm moving on. I'm stepping forward. Come on, lift your hands where you are right now. You tie come on. Come on, that's it, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, come on, come on, child of God, come on, child of God. This isn't any ordinary service here this morning. This isn't an ordinary service, oh, but God is preparing you for greater things from glory to glory, from glory to glory. You're not going backwards, you're going forward. I rebuke the spirit of backsliding. I rebuke the spirit of doubt. I rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. This storm was not sent to destroy you. This storm was sent to liberate you from the things you thought you couldn't make it without from the people you didn't think you could survive without I've come to tell you in the Holy Ghost you're stronger than you think you are you can make it further than you think you can yes 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 anybody in a storm I'm gonna open these altars right now I feel like I'm preaching to a lot of people that have been fighting the waves you've been fighting the waves you've been fighting the storm but I've come to tell you you're closer now than you've ever been to your deliverance you're closer now than you've ever been to your breakthrough just going to survive but you're going to walk in the promises of God oh yes for everything that God has promised shall come to pass in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus if he said it will he not perform it if he promised it Will he not keep it? Don't drown in shallow waters. You're too close now. You're too close now, my sister. You're too close now, my brother. Float on in.
0: Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you. And so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus name.